3: Welcome to the DFO Rundown podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com delivered by DoorDash.
2: Welcome to episode 179 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. Frank, how you doing? Cold out there?
3: Yeah, I mean, not Edmonton cold, but definitely back in the chill. It's it's hockey season, though. It feels good. It feels normal. Landed back uh, at home, and I was walking through the airport, and I was like, man, this feels good. It's crisp, back to normal, and uh, back to talking hockey. And, and I can fill you in on the BOG meeting and exactly what went down in South Florida. But first, I got to tell you that Episode 179 is presented by athletic brewing i'm embarking on a journey this january with athletic brewing and i want you to join me dry jan is going to be a breeze with athletics lineup of craft non-alcoholic beers they've got a range of ipas golden cervezas and a rotation of seasonals my favorite is the upside dawn golden i've really been enjoying that so stock up for dry jan and join me using my promo code frank 20 for 20 percent off your first purchase at athleticbrewing.ca until january 31st and give dry a try athletic brewing company fit for all face-offs fit for all times
2: yes the uh, well good luck with that you got a few weeks left and then uh, boom it starts Um, Quickly, the the BOG meetings, not a lot, uh, really, it seemed to to come out of it, Frank. The big storyline, of course, is what's going to happen with the salary cap? Will it be a million dollars? Will there be some sort of an agreement between the NHLPA and the NHL where they can speed up the uh, increase for the salary cap? Really, I think that's what it's going to come down to, is it not?
3: A hundred percent. And I've never been more convinced that the cap will increase. You need to just basically park the... I don't know if you want to call it grandstanding, but essentially park the nuance of it and and the statement and just read through and look at the numbers that were provided by Gary Bettman for the first time ever. One, we learned that the debt had ballooned at, at its highest point to $1.5 billion. And now the projection is that after this season, that debt will be down to 70 million which means that 96% of it almost will have been paid off between then and now. And if you think about it from a logical perspective, that 70 million remaining balance will likely be paid off before puck drop of next season with the revenue that comes in. To go through an entire next season with a flat cap for the fourth season in a row, that we has been super clear, Jay, to this point already, that it's stagnated transactions. Because even just look at it, we're almost at Christmas. There hasn't been one seismic, meaningful transaction to take place. And I truly believe that's because of the cap environment with 25 teams within $2 million or less, mostly 17 or 18 of them have no space at all and are operating in LTIR, they need to get the cap moving. So I think there's going to be pressure from owners and general managers on the commissioner's office to negotiate something with the NHLPA. The thing is, the NHL doesn't know who the NHLPA executive director is going to be. They're curious. I can tell you that. And they don't want to make a statement saying that they're going to negotiate before they know who they're getting in bed with. And so there's this sort of game that always happens. And and you see Gary Bettman snap back and say, why would you guys ask these questions about negotiating? I'm not negotiating. So why would I do it publicly? And, And aren't you guys getting ahead of yourselves? And it's the typical rigmarole that the NHL continues to go through time after time park all the statements and just look at the numbers. It'd be absolutely ridiculous if the NHL didn't find a way to increase the salary cap for next season to basically keep it artificially low for one more year.
2: Yeah. The fact that it's 70 million today, Frank, so they're going to pay some of that down between now and the end of the season. No, I'm no, sure. that's it's projected to end at oh, 70 to million. End, okay.
3: Yeah. Okay. But, so but geez. here's the thing. It could be wiped away fully off the table what you need Depending is a hundred on revenue, right? Yeah, 140 additional revenue that they're not projecting right now. But that could be accomplished by some deep playoff runs by, I don't know, the New York Rangers, the Montreal Canadian. They're not gonna make it. But think about Toronto. the biggest teams in the league: the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Edmonton Oilers. Ticket prices are so high. You guys know that. That that could be a way to, to increase some revenue. What about the Vegas golden Knights? They're a big spending team. If the crack can get in, they're one of the big revenue drivers. So it's, there's a path forward to whittle that number down even lower than 70, the Canadian dollar a significant change in the price of the Canadian dollar could do it as well. That could account to 10 or $15 million. Um, So there is a path without a negotiation, but it's way more likely to have one.
2: Yeah. So, well, that's a good sign. I think, I think a lot of fans who, who you know, transactions, Frank, uh, during the season, just, it creates, it creates conversation. It creates lots of debate on who won the trade, who lost the trade. Did this team improve that team improve? It's, it's better for the league to be honest. I, I think they're not that's just the NBA. People, yeah. There's not people losing interest. It just gets more conversation and more interest going right now. And, you know, like right now, the conversation when, when the league's uh, best player, uh, comes out and says, Hey, there, there maybe there needs to be a, a clarification. Uh, Connor McDavid last night quote: "The league has got to clarify some of these rules. What's a kick? What's offside? What's goalie interference? It kind of depends on the night, I guess." And uh, you know he was referencing the the goal that was called back uh, in overtime. They went to review and they deemed that Connor McDavid because his skates were in the zone first when he entered the zone. And you are allowed to enter the zone ahead of the puck if you have control. They deemed he didn't have control of the puck because if you watch the replay. Now, I always recommend watching in real time because in slow time, you know, it, it looks like, oh, yeah, it's so not control. Well, in real time, when you're stick handling, lots of times the puck isn't on your stick, but you have control. Um, the one play was the Kuznetsov play from Washington. And if you're looking at a, at a true comparable, a few years ago, he came in first, he came across the blue line, but then he just left the puck there kind of like a drop pass. His teammate picked it up and they say, deem that's control. Dave Jackson, who of course, former NHL ref on Twitter said, Hey, here's the, here's the fact control is going to be subjective. And he's right. Like there's, um, I don't know like I look and say, okay, it's best player in the game. He controls the puck. I watched the replay, you know, uh, he didn't, yes, he didn't touch it uh, when he came across the zone. So I can see how they deem, okay, he doesn't have control. On the other side, I'm like, Hey, the guy's best players in the world all the time. Like yeah do you think he doesn't know where he's putting that puck? Yes, exactly. That, so see, that's
3: so that's the one thing and I I'm with you on that. Like I watch that and I say that's Connor McDavid in full control of the puck and where it's heading. But I wonder if there's any influence of Ryan O'Reilly's stick essentially stick checking him at that point that sort of makes it appear as if he's not in complete control
2: yeah and that's why and he he didn't and i watching the replay again when it comes through right him and him and O'Reilly are kind of stick checking almost a bit no one touches it and then the other order touches the puck and so that's why they deem it's not control and um, it is totally different than McCarr though because oh, yeah. McCarr's feet no, did not enter first yeah like I understand why you know in the heat of the moment right after an emotional game you remember that and say hey you know what McCarr never touched the puck what's well, control but it's a different rule it's a different play the Kuznetsov one, and then we'll put it up on our board that's the one that's um, that's the comparison to it. Right. The difference is there's no pressure. There's no one coming to him. And so when the puck, he leaves it there, I think he purposely leaves it like a drop pass. So that's deemed under control His teammate comes in, but because Ryan O'Reilly's battling for it, you know, I, I can see why it happens. The, the truth is, and you know, uh, their head coach admitted it, McDavid admitted it, Darnell nurse admitted it. They shouldn't have ever been in overtime because Darnell nurse had a horrible giveaway in the last 18 seconds of the game. Right. You can't make that play on a night of but, other horrible giveaways. Yeah. I had two last game. It was not, uh, it was not a number. It was not a banner night for number 25, but I do think for Connor McDavid, who's never really said anything, Frank, for a guy who, for, you know, for years, you know, get, gets hooked and hold. And and when you look at the amount of penalties drawn on him compared to other players around the league for a guy, who's served, he's never, ever complained. So the league, you, you can be arrogant or you can just say, Hey, wait a sec. Maybe we have to, to at least look and say, okay, is there a way to get more consistency? But I really like Dave Jackson when he said, Hey, control is, is subjective. There are, there are always going to be calls. There's, there's going to be a gray area in some reviews. Do you not agree? Like some kicks are you're like, well, oh, geez, like it's. Yeah, I don't think that's a kick. And then you, you watching Frank and you're like, Oh yeah, I think it's a kick. I don't think it's going to be any different for the guys in the booth. Like how, unless you have the same person all the time, how do you get for sure consistency?
3: i i guess I, I think in this case like that that's and just as in baseball the tie always goes to the runner yeah fair in this point. case like if it's that close the player should be given the benefit of the doubt especially the best player in the world like i don't think for one second even as the puck isn't actually definitively touching his stick or on his stick that he's not in, com- in complete control of the puck. but yeah i no. I understand what the rule says, and it is pretty clear in black and white. And for all the, the people out there that are arguing about the McCarr call, they're two different rules too. Yeah. One's delayed yeah. offside. The other one is just plain offside. So yeah. it's uh, you could go down a rabbit hole, but as you said, the Oilers could have just not been in this spot and wouldn't have had the issue.
2: Yeah. Um, like Tyson Berry said, he goes, Hey, if the best player in the world who makes plays of the puck thinks he has control, I haven't seen the replay, but I'm going to believe him. And it's, you know, it's kind of hard to argue with that, but it was, uh, you no, know, the blues that's, that's a huge two points for St. Louis who have been floundering hard. We'll see if that kickstarts them or not. Um, the one, the one team as we switch gears, Frank, that's, um, you know, and you've talked about it lots and I, I don't think there's anything new to add is the, uh, you know the Vancouver Canucks when you when you look at, at where they're at and you know the Bo Horvat and will will they trade him or will they won't trade him and i saw a report now you know the New York Islanders and like Bo Horvat's having himself an unbelievable season the uh, the Vancouver Canucks the, like this is almost is this identical to what we saw all of last year with JT Miller like what's the difference
3: well the difference is Bo Horvat's a pending UFA and JT Miller had one year remaining,
2: I guess. Yeah. But they uh, talked about like the rumors of him getting traded were there all year long and people were all like, and guys who are tapped in. Right. So me, so did, I, I, yeah. I thought for like,
3: I thought there were varying points last year that he could have been traded in January. I think the New York Rangers stepped up and made a huge offer last year. And they, they said, you know what, we're just not ready. We're not ready to, to go there yet we, you know, Jim Rutherford was new on the job. He was sort of assessing where things were. Patrick Alvin was on his way in. It wasn't time to make a snap decision. And then I thought for sure draft week, he was getting traded and there were, there was a report that he was getting traded. Then draft week comes and goes and Miller's still on the team. And, and I just thought maybe they're going to try and start the season, see how their season starts. If they're, you know, in a playoff spot or they play really well as well as they did last season, as you thought that they might, that, Hey, maybe they just keep this guy and then figure it out as they get closer to the trade deadline. But to have both guys trending towards pending unrestricted free agency was unpalatable. I think the problem is they picked the wrong guy. JT Miller, probably at the end of the day, not a true center. Yeah, and 99 point season last year probably never going to duplicate it again well it's kind of like bo Horvat's start right like he, he yeah bo gonna bo like never going to score goals at this clip ever again probably not but still which player is the more valuable piece to your team moving forward no, miller's are four years older mm-hmm. and they got the order of this wrong so now they're up the creek without a paddle because even if they really want to they got to squeeze and move some pieces around just to fit him in
2: and what you talked to at the start of the pod frank the lack of cap flexibility for the majority of the competitive competitive teams, you're going to have to get a third team involved. And I'm sure the third teams are licking their chops. Yeah. We'll take on some money. We'll get picks, whatever. So now you're going to end up having to probably pay more an extra pick, you know, not a, a massive amount more, but still uh, another asset that maybe you wouldn't because this is probably the worst year to have guys that you want to trade because all the teams that want them have virtually zero, like we're talking zero cap space.
3: Yeah. I just think teams are going to be that much more hungry to make it work and they're going to you think give up it's more assets to do it. It's not going to be on the team that's trading the player, especially not in Horvat's case where the interest is going to be so strong. Um, this is no doubt the year of the third party broker, write them down. Now, Arizona, Chicago, Buffalo, Anaheim, all those teams are all going to be in the mix. Yeah, to be retaining money to make transactions work, they're going to be the most imp- some of the most important teams at the deadline when it comes down to that.
2: Yeah, it it will be fascinating. It, it might be that the trade deadline is literally going to be the forty eight hours the busiest because that's every cent of of available cap space is that's when it's the smallest, right? Yeah, but so,
3: so many teams Jay aren't aren't uh, accruing cap space because of
2: LTIR that it's not going to matter. Yeah, much. that's fair too. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's accurate. But they don't like I think you're going to see guys with contracts like a, an example would be when Detroit and Edmonton made the Athens CU trade a few years ago. They added Sam Gagne because they needed to make the money work. Right. It's the only way to do it. I think you're gonna see teams that are like Edmonton. if they make a trade, mark it down that yes, I'll pull RV is gonna be the guy going the other way because that's three million dollars, right? You gotta you got no cap space. You want to bring in a guy, you know or they're gonna have player. to move him in a separate transaction first in order to make it happen. Well, sure, either one, but at, at this point, when you have no goals in 25 games or 24, whatever it is, and you know, you got a three million dollar cap hit, there's there's virtually no value. There's I mean, it's literally- like almost like who
3: could have seen this coming.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a cap dump. Well, hey, we don't even need to uh, to discuss that. But I do want to, um, you know, we've talked Horvat and you know his name's out there. You're getting into though like mid December, Frank, and there are you know some interesting names. Who who are guys that pique your interest? Like that you're hearing whispers of. Like we know Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. That's not a shock, so I don't think we need to mention their names. Who are some other guys that you think are like a really strong percentage that are going to get moved between now and the deadline? Timo Meyer is one. Um,
3: I would say Ryan O'Reilly. We talked about him last pod and, and just two pods ago about the thought process of what kind of position the blues are in relative to the standings. Tarasenko is, is an obvious. Yeah, he's for sure. Yeah. Another one. Um, I would say there's some smaller pieces on the Chicago Blackhawks, Athena CU and Domi Lafferty, maybe Lafferty. We know about Klingberg as the rental. Is there anyone else in the ducks that can be pried
2: loose? Um, Like when you look at Anaheim and i got i wonder about the players and and like, like anaheim's having a historically bad season them and the st louis blues right now frank have like the worst penalty kills in nhl history because the worst penalty kill happened in 1980 it was the la kings when they were 68.2 percent the blues allowed now they went up against the league's best power play last night they gave up two goals no surprise them and the and the ducks are under 68 percent right now the ducks you know last year i just year, want to congratulate
3: the ducks who earned their second regulation win of the season on Thursday night. Yeah, monumental accomplishment. Mm-hmm. John Klingberg by the way scoring two goals. Um but two regulation wins through 31. Yeah. The next well, closest team in the league has 5. Yeah. Well,
2: and it's they, and almost have-
3: impossible. Like 90% of the league is in double
2: digits. Yeah. Well, hey, man, they're not that good, right? Funny thing is they have two regulation wins, and now they have one more than the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. No, right? the, the Blackhawks, Blackhawks have Hawks, five. Yeah, the Blackhawks have, um, what do they got? 60, uh, they got 66 goals scored, I think, the, uh, the Blackhawks. And McDavid himself has 60 points. Like, think about that for a second. You got one guy. Ooh. Who might yeah sixty six to sixty right now? That's that's now McDavid's having a great year. Think about the Ducks' goal differential minus fifty seven. Yeah, well, they just improved it by three last game because they were minus sixty before that one. So, yeah, that's uh that's up. But any the one player I want to ask you about in Anaheim because as I'm looking at the Anaheim Ducks and and clearly they are in they're you know they're in full rebuild. Like, Cam Fowler has uh, three years left after this year at six point five. I know John Klingberg's a pending UFA, right? So it's easy to move him, but do you think the ducks would have an appetite? And if you're cam Fowler and you look and say the last few years, like cam Fowler, start of his career, the ducks in the gets and Perry area, they were very competitive, right? And he was like, eh, man, we're going to conference finals. We're a good team. Well, that's not the case now. What are you hearing? Not has would, would Fowler, I haven't heard anything on him, but man, he's a good player. And I just, I'm curious about his availability.
3: Cam Fowler was on my projected 2024 World Cup roster. Um, He's been really good on some really bad teams the last few years. Here's the thing is, okay, so let's say you're moving out Klingberg and we agree that that's a foregone conclusion. Who are the Anaheim Ducks going to have to play defense next season? They already are at a deficit of true NHL caliber defensemen. They basically have three. And I think Dmitry Kulikov is a borderline NHL defenseman.
2: Are you, well, to me, if you move Cam Fowler, you're doing it because you look and say, okay, we're going full rebuild here. We're going Chicago Blackhawks scorched earth, and we're going to trade Cam Fowler and we're going to get some young defensemen, right? A highly touted defenseman and, uh, and move in. And that right. The uh, now the issue is Fowler, I think has a pretty limited um, team trade list. But I wonder, Frank, just because you have that, if all of a sudden, you know, you look at the at the real picture here and say, man, our team's not going anywhere. Do I want to play out the next three years of my career where we have no chance? Like I'm just spitballing here because I haven't heard anything about it. But when I look at the Ducks team, I think if I'm an opposing team. Like the, the they're gonna the, have to trade him at some point.
3: I just I honestly don't know how they're gonna ice a lineup next year of defensemen.
2: Well, you go to free agency, right? Sh-
3: Shattenkirk's up, Kulikov's up, Nathan Bullys up. Like these guys are already no good as it is. You cannot have Eurovacaninen quarterbacking your team. It's like here's the risk you run. This is and this is what I believe is tear it down. Rebuilds are i like. Yeah. First off, they're all the rage, and I'm all for it. Like you, I think you got to rip the bandaid off and just go all in, like the Hawks have. Get three first-round picks last year, jumpstart your process, get going as quickly as you can. Because every year that you you dilly dally is another one wasted. Yeah. But what happens to Trevor egress? What happens to Troy Terry? And any of the other young guys that you're counting on to be the core of your team moving forward that are already here. When you start getting pummeled so bad that you hate coming to the rink. Yeah. I just think think there's a real risk in that. Like, I think they're already teetering on that edge and I think to then take someone like Fowler out of the mix you know, even though, even just from a pure age perspective, already being 31 and three more years to go, he doesn't fit what they're doing. Yeah. He doesn't. He's such a, he's such a gifted skater and gifted player.
2: I just think you're, you're cutting your nose off to spite your face. And that's and that's valid. But here, here's the thing, though, if you look at the current list of pending UFA defensemen, the Ducks, there's lots of guys right now. Klingberg wouldn't resign there. Right. But there's there's what's dumb your buy- path to convince someone else to sign there. Well, they signed Klingberg last year.
3: That was a la- that was a, a late summer. Hey, yeah. we're well, this was an opportunity for the Ducks to harvest assets. Yeah, well, that wasn't just, like come here and uh, we talked to John Klingberg. It wasn't like come here and, you you know, play your career here.
2: There's a reason why he had a no trade clause that lasts until January 1. I, I think the, the route to it, Frank, and I'm not saying it's right, but if you know you're going full scorched earth, you're just going to get veteran defensemen. You look at here's my comparison. Look at Gabranson getting four years at four million, right? It's it's more than most people would have paid him. And he's like, hey, you know what? It's a comfortable city. It's not like Anaheim's a bad place to play. If if you're, you know, lot, there's there's guys down the list, three, four million, you know, New Tavara, Scott Mayfield, right? He's Scott Mayfield's been underpaid. If someone came to him and said, Hey, we'll pay you four million dollars now, he'd be making one point. I think he's one point seven. He's a sick. Scott Mayfield's good. I know he's very good. Right. But you know what? You've never made any, not, not any by NHL standards. So you might, I think there's a path to it because they'd have boatloads of cap space. I just, and Cam Fowler, I think if you're looking for the best possible return to augment your rebuild, that's the guy to move. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I think there's something to it. I just, I
3: think you'd have to show me the roadmap of who we're icing in our lineup next year. And maybe one of the paths forward with that is to, if you're Pat Verbeek, you sit there and you say, okay, We'd get a King's ransom for Cam Fowler. It makes sense to trade him. But in the meantime, we're going to take on all the players and defensemen on other teams that are overpaid. So we're going to make them pay us to take on these players. And that's who we're going to put in our lineup. Like you go through each each team's roster. You say, okay, we'll take Philip Myers off your hands from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm-hmm. He's He signed an extension for another 1.4 next year. He's okay. Not a big time NHL defenseman, but he has been one recently. What about one of the guys from the Canucks? I don't know if you can convince, I don't think you can convince Ekman Larson or Myers to do it, but, but what if you could? Yeah. Then you go, you go through team by team. Is there a guy on the sharks? Is there whoever it is? whatever team is is up against it and saying, Hey, you know, we, we don't need to pay this guy this much money for what we have right now.
2: Maybe you could fill out your roster that way. And the other thing is Frank, a lot of those players when now they're moved to Anaheim and the Anaheim fans see his cap hit as 2 million instead of 3.5, all of a sudden the viewpoint of players change. I'm not saying it's right. I, I don't like to evaluate players based on contracts all the time. But it's truth that if if you if you're suddenly a three million dollar player, people are like geez at five, I don't, but he's at three million. I love you. And yeah. you know, that what maybe releases, Come on down. maybe
3: that's how you fill out your team.
2: Yeah. But I just think, I'm just saying it now, Cam Fowler, that's the guy. If I'm the Anaheim Ducks and I'm really looking to to continue on the path that we're going, that's the guy you move. And I think it's fair commentary. I just yeah. I just
3: think there is risk in having the rest of your players like Zgris and Terry
2: get pummeled night in and night out. Yeah, that that becomes fair. demoralizing. Yeah, that's totally valid. Totally valid. Let's bring in uh, Tyler Uremchuk on a Friday morning. Ty, how you doing?
0: I am doing good and I'm ready to go with a new edition of fill in the blank delivered by our friends at DoorDash where you can use the promo code GAMEDAY25, get yourself 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more. Game day 25. That's always the promo code. Uh, let's start with, uh, we did get some news yesterday that the LA Kings signed Trevor Moore to an extension. Uh, picked him up from the Leafs and the Jack Campbell trade back in the day. Moore, it's going to be a uh, five-year extension. Cap it $4.2 uh, Your question is simple. For fill in the blank. The Trevor Moore deal is
2: blank. Jason? Expected. And, you know, I think good, really good value for more. And I think he has a chance to live up to that contract, you know, be a 45 point player. Like they didn't overpay him reaching that he was going to go from 48 to higher. So I I think it's a fairly reasonable contract.
3: I was just going to say fair. Yeah. I mean, it's someone that you're hoping can maybe climb a little bit and get to 20 goals. And I think the old, whatever that theory was of of each 10 points is worth a million bucks if you're considering that he'll be a 40 to 45 point player for the next number of years
2: no, yep. anything above that is pretty much gravy right like because he had 48 last year and he's got 18 and 33 this year which puts him right in that wheelhouse again yeah and he's he's
3: an la kid like it just makes sense
0: Makes sense. Yeah, that's a a good way to put it. Uh, There was a few different sort of off-ice storylines that came out this week. Um, In the NBA, they're changing the name of some of their awards. They're adding some of their legends into it. Michael Jordan, Will Chamberlain. The idea of the NHL changing the names to some of its awards is blank. Frank?
3: Unrealistic. Okay. I just don't think the NHL is ever going to change. I, I think... As a league, obviously, it's way older than the NBA, and the names that are on it are quite historical and significant. Lord Stanley of Preston, Frank J. Selkie, you know, go down the list. They're all significant contributors to the league. The Clarence Campbell Bowl, I mean, go through it. The Hart Trophy, they're all significant characters in the game's history, and I don't think they're any less valuable now, even though not every fan knows the history. I don't think it's right to just swipe those names aside and and go with something different. Like, you know, even the Selkie trophy, for instance, I saw people saying, Oh, we're going to just rename it. The Bergeron now it's like, okay, well, if we were going to do it to begin with, it should have been the Bob Gainey, because the award was quite literally created to recognize him. So I would say unrealistic. I don't think the NHL will ever do it. And I don't think they should.
2: Well, they already did change the one trophy, of course, right Uh, now it's the Ted Lindsay, and so they they have shown that they they are willing to do it. That was um, the NHLPA though, not the NHL. Yeah, fair point. I would look at I I don't know if you need to change everyone to to be honest, but if you change a few the the most obvious one is having gretzky as the art ross like it just it, it makes makes the most the thing is that gretzky could be the, could be the hart trophy i know that Ovechkin's finally going to pass him but uh, you know he, the art ross so like i don't I, I don't know how many you have to have to change for sure right um and, and i guess you probably could go you know mario if you look at his goals per game you know if he was on pace if he wasn't injured but you know Yeah. Ifs and buts, candy and nuts. We know how that works. So I, I think actually the NHL will do it, but I'll say this, if they're going to do it then do it sooner than later, don't be a five-year plan to strategize. Like this is either, yes, we're doing it. No, we're not. And we move on. I don't think it's uh, like, you don't have to have a a 10 minute video review on an offside for this. Just make it a one-time thing, decide, move on. Yes, we're doing it. No, we're not. Here we go.
3: And and for the love of all that's holy, please get rid of the Mark Messier leadership award. It
0: is awful. Why? You don't like that idea? It is the cheesiest thing going. That's fair. It's very subjective. Another thing that was a big conversation this week was the idea of potentially expanding the NHL's playoff format. So I'll ask you for your third question. The idea of expanding the NHL's playoff format is blank. Jason?
2: I'm with Bill Guerin. Nope. I don't, I'm not in on a play, a play in game. I don't have much appetite for it. The season's long enough. You, you, you're it. It's one or two extra games. I don't think it makes much of a difference. I understand. The only reason they do it, let's be abundantly clear. The only reason they are doing it is because it's extra, it's extra revenue, full stop point blank. And that's, and so at least admit that, but don't tell me it's for anything other than that. And uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, at the playoffs get into the playoffs, it's supposed to be hard. Why are we making it less hard? I'm all for it. I think within limits,
3: I think you can trigger a play in tournament. If you are within five points or whatever the number is within 10 points, like you can't be having a play in tournament with teams that are 30 points back. That's absolutely ludicrous. But even 10 points. Frank is a lot. Is it really over an 82 game season? I think so. Yeah.
2: Really? It's like not to say these two teams So team now 85 be on point, the ice? 85 point teams are getting in because usually 95 is the cutoff. So if it's you have not, 86 but it's, you got to play
3: your way in. Like, why is that eighth seed that's seven points better than the next, you know, whatever it is, the 10th place team, why are they that much superior? They're not to me. I think they're in, especially in in this NHL, like they're, these teams are so close. The margin is razor thin. Here's my, here's my reasoning why, and it's not for revenue. It's, it's first off for drama because it's interesting and people, people love it, but it's, it's really because it gives whole fan bases something to cheer for and root for in a really long season that gets really miserable when you're in NHL's no man's land, because you're too far away from the draft lottery and too far away from the playoffs. And you know, you're not making either one and you are just, you're hating your, you're like, why, what, what are we doing here? I have nothing to look forward to for the next number of months. Now, if you can bring some other teams in, and then Tyler made this point yesterday on Oilers nation every day was saying, then all of a sudden what you create is a race further up the standings one for teams that are could potentially be getting buys through this play-in round two from teams that want to avoid the play-in round entirely and want to make sure they get up to like sixth and fifth place and then you have the races from the teams that are in you know 12th 11th and and 10th to try and make sure they get in the play-in i just think It'd be silly to dismiss it out of hand and say, oh, we're at a good number now and it's traditional and the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs is the best thing in sports. So wait a second. You think that if we were to inject a couple different teams to that same exact first round format, that it would be any less compelling or enthralling? I don't buy that for one
2: second. I'm in on it. Take it and hook it into my veins. But how do you make it? How do you make it? So, well, like last year, you said you only want 10 points. So the West has a play in and the East doesn't. That's food. Yeah, add. I think you end up triggering it. And if
0: you don't want to create separation. See, and I, I don't like that part of it. And I thought about it, Frank, because when you, you said it yesterday on Oilers Nation every day, but I then you're just making up points. Right. It's like, ah, oh, like 10 being 10 back isn't as bad as being yeah. 12 back. Like, we'll just,
2: you know, if you're 10 back ah, oh, we'll just kind of say you were with your close enough. Yeah. I don't know. They're either they're either, either going to make it seven versus 10 and eight versus nine, regardless of point totals or they don't. I don't think you can but have so, it. So yet. let's
3: use last year's East as an example. And it was ridiculous because <laughs> it was not interesting at all. Yeah. But the Islanders finished in ninth and they were 16 points back of the caps yeah. who were the eighth place team to have a play in in that situation is wrong there's no reason that the Washington Capitals as a 100 point team should have their ability to be part of the playoffs questioned or, or to be, to fall out. So that's why I I added that little wrinkle, but are you kidding me last year, looking at the West? So Vegas finishes three points back and and Nashville and Dallas had to lock up their spots in the final day or two of the season. Remember Arizona played spoiler and there was all that drama in the last few games. And Vancouver was five back of Nashville. So so last year the West would have a play in and I would love it. You go Vancouver and Vegas going head to head with Dallas and Nashville and you have a way to,
2: to, so what is it? Is teams it a, play their way it's, in. It's seven versus 10, eight versus nine. Is it one game? Is it best of three? What are you doing? So I think you take the exact NBA format. If the seventh
3: seed wins their one game, then they're automatically in.
0: Oh, you got to beat them twice.
3: The eighth place team. Yeah. Has to win twice. Or you got, yeah, exactly. The NBA format is perfect.
2: Yeah, the NBA, I don't, yep. I don't mind that. But, but if ten beats seven in one game, seven's out in one game. No, seven has to lose twice.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Well, we'll see. Hey, the NBA is doing it. I'm sure the NHL isn't far behind. So, like, let, hey,
3: I'll, I'll explain to you how, how it worked in the NBA last year. Minnesota was the seven seed in the West. They won their play in game. So they're automatically in as the seven new Orleans and San Antonio played in, in this, in the nine, 10 game to figure out which of the nine, 10 moves on. And since the Clippers were the eighth place team, they moved on as, as the loser to play The winner of New Orleans and San Antonio.
0: I get it. So seven plays eight, nine plays 10 winner of seven, eight is in loser of seven, eight plays winner of nine and 10.
3: Each of the teams that is seven and eight only needs to win one game to get in. And you, you, you force another team, you force nine or 10 to win two in a row. Yeah.
2: I just don't love the format because right away you have two non-playoff teams, under our current model who are now playing to go ahead. I'd rather just do seven versus 10, eight versus nine, but that's just me. If I'm going to do it and, and I don't really want to do it. So but
3: so do you, Bill do you not we'll think that like up. so okay let's park it and, and back up to last year with vegas and vancouver again 94 and 92 points you don't think either of those two teams like if one of those gets in in a play and you're saying that they're not
2: worthy because they were five points or six points back the canucks didn't even win half their games the Canucks were close because of overtime loser points. 40, 12. 12. Okay. So
3: Vegas missed and they won more than half their game. So th- therefore that's okay.
2: Yeah. But, but everybody knows though, that Vegas, the reason they didn't make it, they're goaltending. So they could have got into the playoffs rank. And I think they would have got spanked. That's all because I know goaltending. Well, w- yeah. what about Nashville? They got in and got spanked. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, every- what did Daryl Sutter say? And he was pretty true, right? <laughs> waste of eight days. Who wants to waste eight days? <laughs> I
3: don't know. I, I like. Here's my issue. I guess with going to the Board of Governors meeting in general is there's a lot of backslapping. The game's in a great place, and I agree that on ice product is probably better than it ever has been. I just think business wise, you should be pushing the envelope. You should be doing everything you can to make this a little better. And I just feel like there's some stagnant thought and some traditionalism and, and things that get in the way of making things better, like that. It just could be better. Hmm.
0: All right. Uh, we're going to wrap this up with our bonus question for our friends at points, Bet Canada. If you're in Ontario, feel free, to check them out. I'm just going to hit you guys with this. I've been uh, very big into the shot props this year on points, Bet Canada, it's something new that they just got up on their book for this season. So I'm going to ask you guys, who do you think leads the NHL in shots on goal, Frank? You had to guess. Mm. Ovechkin? I don't know. Is he in the mix? Jay, who's your guess? It's the only player. Sorry, go ahead. Tage Thompson. No, Uh, both those guys in the top five, but Ovi is fourth. Tage Thompson is fifth. The only player in the NHL averaging more than five shots per game is David Pasternak. So he is the shot prop king. Uh, That's going to do it for this week's edition of fill in the blank delivered by DoorDash. Ding dong.
2: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. There you Still go.
3: gets me every
2: time. It's pretty fun. Now I want to see how many uh, how many shots does uh Pasternak have? He's got one forty eight, Meyer one forty one, okay. Matthews and Ovi one thirty nine, Tage Thompson one thirty seven. So it's uh, and Ovechkin's played more games than all of them, but Pasternak's played the fewest. So yeah, he's a he's a shooting machine right now for the. uh, Well, it's funny though, when you look at the uh, shots, uh, Timo Meyer second, but well, 14 goals isn't bad. Tage Thompson has 24. That's the, uh, he's got 10 more goals and four fewer shots, but his shooting percentage is only 17.5. Like it's not, it's not like he's a 23 or 24% shooter. He's just a high volume shooter. Now
3: my eyes glaze over when we start talking about shot props and betting, I know that's all the rage. Like everyone's doing it. And Tyler has, I'm sure made some money and, or lost some money on it, but that's that's not you, your thing. No, you're devolving into a different level of degeneracy by going there. <laughs> That's fair. I, I, yeah. You're just rooting for. Hey, shoot from the blue line. Just get a shot. Like, well, then you're dealing with like, hey, did that get through traffic? Is he being
2: properly credited? Like, you, you could be kicking your TV in in short order. Oh, well, I wonder. I wonder though if this forces them to be sure that they're accurately tracking every shot. I've so been around
0: get- a couple of times. There was a game last year. I had McDavid over three and a half. He finished with three, but with like a minute to go, he deflected a shot on net. And they didn't give it to him and it's like 50 50 if a player deflects it like sometimes they'll give it to him sometimes they'll give it to the d-man i was livid i was gonna write an email to the nhl
3: <laughs> hi it's me tyler a gambler in edmonton can you help me
2: <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure that did. like i'm sure though they probably get a lot of those emails now you
3: gotta count that
2: you gotta count that
3: how about that one time tyler i got screwed over last year you and i went in on, on one together and whoever it was scored, it was like any time goal score. And then they said, oh, because he scored an OT, it doesn't count.
0: Yeah, that was uh, McDavid scored an OT winner against someone. And uh, they didn't. It doesn't count. Like, it
3: said any time goal score. What do you mean? Any time. Any time <laughs> is any time, bud.
0: I went back and forth with the support like chat for like two hours about that. I was so mad.
2: Yeah. I didn't 250 win the cake on that. So you're basically you're telling me that it's like officials. Once the call's made, it ain't going back unless it's reviewable. Correct. Unless you are have- a
3: hardcore gambler, and they need you to keep your account open.
2: I was gonna say I
0: did have one that I got flipped over, and I sent them the screenshot of the NHL stats page, and I was like, I had him over two and a half shots. NHL.com says he has three, and they were like, Oh, our bad. We'll give you your money, and they did. <laughs>
3: What a time to be what alive!
2: What a bunch of degenerates shot totals. Unreal. I can't get into it. I cannot. Um, now we're uh, next week uh, by my Monday. There's a very good chance that Alex Ovechkin could be a second overall in goals. He's at 800 now. He's uh, one behind Gordy. It's only a matter of time before he passes Gordy, and the way it's going, it's probably only a matter of time before he passes. I feel like this was a Wayne Gretzky
3: buy or sell question. Been, I feel yeah. like I said before Christmas, I said, buy, And you said, sell.
2: Yeah, that's true. He got hot. He got hot. So we will, uh, see what happens on uh, when he's going to pass Wayne, but we're going to have some Ovechkin stories on Monday's pod with, uh, one of the few guys who played over 700 games with Alex Ovechkin. So, uh, well look forward to that. For Frank, have yourself a great weekend.
4: Thanks for listening to the
2: DFO Rundown with Sarevalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode delivered by DoorDash.
0: But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under